Hello and welcome back to the Romans Empire podcast where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Um, today it is just me and Andreas, the newlywed. Welcome back, Andreas. Uh, you had a well-deserved honeymoon after all that time planning and executing an amazing wedding. Um, welcome back. How was your, how was your uh, time away with your now Thank wife? You, yeah, a married man. Uh, the honeymoon was fantastic. It was a much, much deserved break, especially for my wife, Hannah, because she had a lot more to do with the planning than I did. So we got to relax for a whole week. We got to eat everything and anything that was in sight and drink as much as we wanted, which was a lot of fun. Uh, work was a little rough this week, but, you know, Getting this uh, three points this weekend really gave me that little boost of energy to to get back to the real world this week. The Leeds match didn't ruin your honeymoon too much, did it? <laughs> it didn't ruin the honeymoon, but it just... <laughs> it ruined course, that day like, for sure. <laughs> Hannah's like, yeah, you know, watch the game this morning. It's totally fine. And I went through like 50 million hoops to find a way to watch this from my phone through a VPN... All this stuff just for Chelsea to have the worst showing of the season against Leeds. But again, that's behind us. I'm going to just ignore that that happened while I was in Mexico and I'm back in the States. The season's now real again. You know, mm-hmm. that one didn't count. It was a, it was a, you call that a mulligan? We'll get a mulligan on that one. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, Zach is in Las Vegas. Um, so he's not with us today. So it's just going to be me and Andreas the way that we like it, to be honest. We get finally get a chance <laughs> to speak, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and all it this is a, a much more cheerful episode than last week. Last week was really hard to record because it was just such a frustrating match. I think I used the word shambolic at least 15 times in the episode because I felt like that was just the perfect word to describe like every aspect of the game, everyone's performance, every, the result, everything about it. This one had potential. It had potential to be shambolic, and I did not feel very confident going into it. But um, Tommy Tuchel, aka Tommy Tactics, he he, uh, I don't know. I think uh, he should spend most most uh matches in the stands if 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 this is going to be the net result no i'm only kidding but he elected uh to go with a 4-4-2 to start the match it did not stay at a 4-4-2 throughout the match due to connor gallagher's red card but um it was a very refreshing formation to see we had mendy in goal reese james uh chalobinho with a surprising surprising um start tiago silva and kukurea um as the back four then on the right side as a right mid we had rlc um on the left side it looked like was mount gallagher and Jorginho were in the middle of that 442 and then havertz and sterling up top 
Um, you know, this really was a, a, a tale of two halves, Andreas. And uh, I think what you put in the script is kind of funny. It was much like the Bible, um, except in this case, there's a before the red and after the red. So, so actually, we can say it's kind of like a Game of Thrones, before the red wedding and after the red wedding. <laughs> there you right? go. We can, we can say that as well. Um, and the red wedding was uh, Connor Gallagher's red card. But um, we'll get into Connor Gallagher uh, in a second. Let's just talk about the change in formation, specifically the back four. Um, wow. It's been so it was long. very refreshing. But like my first thought, um, I thought it was really unfair to um, Chalobinho for his first appearance in the back line to be in a back four, because that's a lot more responsibility on him. But I thought he played really, really well, kind of sketchy in the last like 20 minutes. But I think overall he had a, he had a good match. Uh, What were your thoughts on the back four overall? Um, I mean, I thought that it was fine. I think if anything, it showed me that, Tiago Silva at 38 years old can play in the back four in the Premier League, which was a huge oh concern. Um, in terms of Chalova, you, know, you talked about him doing well in a back four. I thought it was, you know, the, the news of him staying officially in the squad came out like minutes before kickoff. And for the most part, I think he did fantastic. He even had to play the second half as a left center back, which he never did last season. And when he wasn't playing there, people were saying, oh, it's because he's not left-footed, and oh, Thomas Tuchel trusts Malangzar there more. Well, I think he did fine. So if anything, I think his stock really went up in Thomas Tuchel's eyes after this performance. He showed his flexibility, and and yeah, at the end, like you said, the last 20 minutes, I don't think many people looked great. So um, apart from that, I think that If not for Connor Gallagher, I think we would have probably looked a lot more solid in the buildup. And it'll it just it's good to see that Reese James and Kukurea were still allowed to to fly forward. That that those were kind of like the quick ones. We only got twenty minutes of it in, in its full force, so it's uh it's hard to judge. Yeah, that's true. Actually, well, well, when after the red card, how long was it until? It wasn't. It wasn't until the second half that we switched. To I guess, back I guess we we had twenty more minutes of it. You're right because yeah. after the red card, we were still looking, still looked like a better side in the first half, uh, marginally, yeah. but we still looked that way. I mean, I think one thing I did notice was that um, having Reese James and RLC going up the right side together seemed very, very effective in terms of the yeah. build up and getting into the box. Um, I really like that. It's uh, it's just like imagine that with uh, potentially like in a four three three where it could be something like East James Mason Mount in midfield and a winger. It's little things like that that it just like this was such a tease because I know that this isn't the full squad in the full correct positions using the back four, but right side was was probably the highlight for me. Um, in the system. Oh yeah, I mean because that left side. Well, I mean Mason Mount had a match to forget 
for sure. I mean, he, it was a very forgettable match. Um, he, he, he came off when in, uh, he half came time. off at halftime. Yeah. He came yeah. off at halftime, um, which is, was, I think very understandable, but at the same time, surprising, like with a guy like Mason Mount, he's built up a lot of equity and with this, with this team for in the last two seasons. And um, I thought that it was very interesting to take him off. They put in Dave and they switched the formation up completely. It was a three, three, four, two um, because right. we were missing a man, but um, it was uh, just not, it, it was a very disappointing match. And I think that is, it's now back-to-back matches where Mount has not looked himself. Um, and we did actually get a Twitter question regarding that. Um, this one is from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He said, should Mount be concerned about starting after going missing? <laughs> I mean, hey. like If we're going to do a 4-4-2, yeah, I think so. I think uh, it's not like you said like two weeks ago against Leeds. You're right. He wasn't great either. And then this past week, I think it was more of where he was put rather than like. It reminded me of when Lampard tried putting him as a true left winger in a 4-3-3. Mount should not have his heels on the touchline. He operates so much better, more central in a more. I wouldn't call it a free role, but. Where, where he's not operating in 1v1 scenarios where if he looks left, he's got touchline and he can only make a move towards the inside. Um, I really think that the positioning did a disservice to his skill set. And I don't think on top of that, Mount did anything to, you know, kind of uh, balance that out. Like if you're limited or you're placed, like you would expect, like you said, because he's built so much equity and because he's been so reliable that he would react, but instead it was it was odd, honestly, to see him be the first sub. I, I can't remember last time that Mount was the first sub and it felt like an earned position by the manager to take out Mount. And such an early sub. I don't know. My my opinion on this is like, okay, if you're gonna think Mount should be concerned about losing his starting job after two bad matches. Kai Havertz has been playing bad for six months plus, and he's <laughs> still starting every match. I don't think Mason Mount should be worried about losing his starting spot. And I'm not worried personally about Mason Mount, not just like him losing a right. starting spot. Like I'm talking about his performance in general. I'm not worried about it. Like, Two matches in a row where he hasn't looked great. When in the preseason he looked amazing. Last year he was, you know, amazing, like our best player for sure. Our only, you know, like attacking goal, like our only goal scoring threat in the offense or in the in the front three. So um, I'm not worried about that. Um, I'm just like. Uh, Talking before we get into the Gallagher stuff, was there anything else you wanted to mention about the 
yeah, just the formation um, change because it was it was just like very refreshing. I thought. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I'd love to see Tuchel kind of give it a shot more, and I know we'll get to it during the transfer section. But Fofana coming in will definitely allow us to play that as well. Um, mm-hmm. He can do both the back four and the back three. Just comes down to what Tuchel's going to do in midfield. Does he trust his midfielders to kind of be able to hold it down, or or is he going to go back? It's tough because while it was refreshing, I also thought we looked really good in a back three in the second half. Um, I thought that, surprisingly, with one less man in a back three, we created more, but that might be because Leicester was probably pushing to attack us more because we had one less man. So again, it's it's hard for me to jo- like make hard statements and, and, and take a good stance on the back four versus the back three with this match as the as the kind of the sample like what I have. Yeah, thank you. Because we were a man down for 75% of the match. But again, uh, if, if if Tuchel was going to experiment with that today without Koulibaly, uh, I think that's that's a good sign for things to come. I actually think kind of the opposite of what you said about bringing in Fofana will allow us to play the back four more. And I think that it's like what you said is true that it like, we'll see it more often, but I think when we have Koulibaly, Tiago Silva and, um, and Fofana, like I still think our primary and best formation moving forward will include a back three because those are three of our, I'd honestly say there are three best players with Reese James as well. So having them on our bench, one of them on the bench, uh, it just doesn't bode well for like our, our best matches, I think, or yeah. our most important matches. I think that we will see that a lot more, but we, you know, Tiago Silva, he, like we desperately need to try to maintain him. Like right. the match he had, was like he plays like he he played like the best center back in the Premier League, which is unbelievable. But he had so many moments where it was like, man, I'm too old for this shit. Like, <laughs> you know, like it was it's like crazy. The, the 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 last minute bailout plays, like you know, like breaking up, like running up and breaking up passes, like like at midfield. Um. The Jamie Vardy chance that he totally whiffed on, um, Chalaba let him go, and if he was on target, like Thiago Silva was go, there, he'd get wrecked. <laughs> he, I don't know what he did. He like did a pirouette and just fell. on a landmine. Yeah, he blew up exactly, and um, Thiago Silva was there near post if if that was going on target. So, you know, like he's still. And in my opinion, I know you have this later in the script. In my opinion, he was the man of the match for sure. Yeah. He oh, I agree. was unbelievable. Um, in well, in any other day, the... you give it to Sterling. But I do want to say one thing True. to add on, on Thiago Silva. And this might be like sacrilegious to a certain group of Chelsea fans out there. But I think Thiago Silva in his time at Chelsea has shown the best center back play 
I have ever seen in a Chelsea jersey in my life. Hands down. Oh, boy. JT, does that ring a bell? Does that name ring a bell to you? Oh, JT was fantastic. I mean, I, I'm not. it's not a diss to JT. I think it's more of a, holy shit, this is what composed, calm, like always in the right place, center back play looks like, and, and he's doing it at 38 mm-hmm. years old. Like, imagine if we would have had a Thiago <laughs> Silva when he was the age of JT in his prime and that sort of thing. So it's just... Yeah, it's too bad he wasted away his prime at PSG. (laughs) Yeah, AC AC Milan and PSG. It's just crazy, man. I'm sorry, I was going to say, I look back and I I, I thought his stint at AC Milan was a lot longer. He only played there for like three years. Like, that's how long he's been at Chelsea now. This is his third year. So, like, that was was his tenure at Milan. He was at PSG for like six, seven years. Right, right. It's still crazy, though. Yeah, it, at that thirty-eight, he he looks like the best center back in the Premier League. It's it's really like he's one of the center backs where it's like a delight to watch him play. Like it's just like so impressive. But let's talk about Connor Gallagher, the absolutely idiotic red card. The first yellow, I thought it was a little bit harsh, but it was. The accumulation of fouls leading up to that, like that, 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 you know, I, I can understand it. The second one, I mean, Kukurea didn't do him any favors. That was an awful set piece. And I don't know. And I'm pretty sure that he was the last man back, which was like, I think that was a terrible decision. Um, I think that whoever I, I don't even know who who served as manager on the touchline. Do you know? No idea. I know, right? That's that's kind of bad for a podcast. <laughs> but um, he should have thought about that. The fact that okay, is it a good idea to have our last man back, our player with a yellow? Got a yellow. Right. Yeah. That's so, and he, it was it was a necessary foul. I think, in my opinion. Like, who knows? At that point, it was nil-nil. They could have easily gone up 1-0, and it would have been a completely different game. So, but I think leading up to that, it was a very, very different Connor Gallagher performance than his first one because he was very aggressive, and he was the more, like, this this isn't a role that he typically plays when he's in the midfield. He played like the aggressor, the physical player, like the ball winner. And he, I thought he looked pretty good leading up to that moment. And it's very unfortunate. But, you know, it was, it happened. Let's just put it at that. It happened. So we have to, you know, move on from, from it. So, I don't know, Andres, what did you see? Do you think, like, maybe he needs an extended break from starting? I mean, his first match was not great. Second match ends in a red card after 30 minutes. His role was different in both matches and both not his traditional role that he played last year at Crystal Palace. What do you you make of all this? Yeah, I mean, when we talked about, like, when the lineup came out, we still thought it was a back three. 
maybe like a 3-5-2. I thought that would help him a little bit. I do think he settled in. He not settled in. He never even got the time to settle in. But he started um, a lot better this time around. And, and I, I don't know why the system seemed to have helped him so much. I think perhaps he had more help around him. Uh, in his position, he was kind of in the middle of a triangle between Chalaba, Reese James, and Loftus Cheek. So I just thought that the passes he was making felt easier. He felt more comfortable with it. And then I looked it up just now. He had nine passes into the final third. So mm. although he didn't get to have as much perhaps positional freedom as he does in a midfield three. At least we saw glimpses of him, his forward, like his forward thinking and his directness with some of the passing. Um, in terms of the red card, I just think it might be like a quick mental thing. He's a kid. He's technically stepping in in the Conte role, so maybe he thinks he needs to just be rushing into tackles. Um, he was probably told that, to be honest. He was probably instructed yeah, to do that. To be Sure, I get that. Um, I just think like maybe the moment got too big. Like he he's thinking more like this is what I was told to do rather than what he should be doing. Um, but I I thought it was better. I still think a midfield three is where he should be to get the best of out of him. But when you're trying to break into Chelsea side, you're gonna have to adapt a little bit to get your minutes. Um. And I still think that he could do better in a with when it's a back four, um, in the back three where he's a little bit deeper as a double six, it's a it's a little harder. But I don't think he'll need an ex- a, a very very long break. I just think that perhaps he needs to be, um, maybe just coming off the bench for a little bit now that Kova's healthy, and and kind of come in against tired legs a couple of times before he gets a shot at starting again. That's all. I don't think it's one well, of those where he's frozen now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's guaranteed he at least misses the next match because of the red card. Right. But I, like, I think the, the good thing, so I think the fact that we won makes it okay because that we can now treat this or he can now treat this as a learning experience. And I have no doubt that he will treat this like as a learning experience. And, you know, I think what you said is, is probably right. in that he was instructed and given this specific role and he went too overboard. He wasn't as controlled as he should have been. And, I think that he'll rewatch the match. I mean, it wasn't not that much of tape that he has to watch <laughs> 30 minutes. So, um, and he'll see where he went wrong. And it, his performance gave me a lot of hope for his future because at least this season, because we saw a different side of him that I didn't really think that he had in him. And, you know, Tuchel's talked about this so much, about how much he's loved them in practice. And I think it's because he is very receptive and, um, like, 
to instruction and yeah. you know, his, like understanding what his role needs to be. And he's okay changing his role. Like yeah, he, he this takes is, coaching well. It's yeah, a, it's exactly. a great thing to have at his age. I mean, I know that's speculation, but I think that's likely the reason why he's been so, like he said so many great things about him. So I know me and Zach do have a bet going on that um, <laughs> like 20, I think it was $20 on whether Connor Gallagher has a good season as determined by you or our neutral uh, third party. So far, I mean, I I have no I have no doubt that I'm in in the lead right now. Like Connor sure. Gallagher has not looked good, which is fine. I mean, I'm happy about that. Obviously, it was for my bet, but <laughs> hey, I'm <laughs> I'm more than happy to pay twenty dollars to Zach if that means Connor Gallagher ends up having a good a good to great season. So he's gonna come good. I think. I it's think. Just a- a slow, a slow process. I, again, it's kind of one of those things where he can't. He wasn't given the chance to sort of adapt to the fact that he's no longer playing for a mid-table side. Every club yeah. outside of Liverpool and Man City has the Chelsea matches circled as their Super Bowl, as their Champions League final, and every team is going to want to. Chelsea and slap him in the face and I think that Honor is used to being the underdog under Palace and now the expectations are a little different it's unfortunate that you know Conte got hurt immediately and then last week there we were down to 10 men this week it's his fault we were down to 10 men but I think he's mature enough to where this isn't going to be a lingering issue Here's the thing, too, about me kind of changing my tone about Conor Gallagher. Like, you could look at it two ways. You can either say I'm reactive, and that's a bad thing. I'm changing <laughs> my opinion on him after a okay or decent 30-minute stint. You could also say it's a good thing because I am totally fine being wrong, and I'm not stubborn in my opinions. Like, you know, I'm totally fine with that. I think that's also the case. It might also be the case with Raheem Sterling. Because Oh, here he, we go. I was waiting for this. He, he had a great match. If it weren't for Thiago Silva, he would have been man of the match, as you said. Um, to, it, it took a while, but he got not only his first goal, he got his second goal as well. Um, Right in the beginning of the second half, um, that first goal, kind of a lucky deflection. I'll give him credit for taking the shot. Like I, it, like, I, mean, I like could have gone that. in without the deflection. You know, that's also yeah. Who knows? He he's tried that sort of move all season where he starts on the like, the left side of the box and he glides his way central to kind of curl it back post. Mm-hmm. I think he's got that automatic. I think that could have been that could have been it without the deflection, but we'll take it. Yeah, and the second goal, like really classic Raheem Sterling, um, by coming from an awesome cross by Reese James, just like that's that's it's become he's young, but those balls have already become vintage Reese James. Like <laughs> he's already reached the point Real. where it's vintage. It's just and, crazy. Uh, I feel like he's probably just thank God somebody finally tapped one of these in. Yep. 
I think Raheem said after the match, like, that Reese told him, like, be ready. I'm going to be giving you a lot, like, a lot of <laughs> good chances. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the case. It's It looked – I was very happy with it. Like I thought, I thought more about it after the match, and I'm like, like, reminding myself that, like, even like the best players in the world do not score every match. Like they will go on a three, four match streak without scoring. Like, look at Sun. Sun hasn't scored yet this season, but oh, I, he's still... I was gonna use I was gonna use Mohamed Salah as an example this week. His team right. scored nine goals, <laughs> nine. and he didn't score. <laughs> yeah, that's another good example. But like, and I still don't think that Sterling is on their level. But I can't let three matches of him not scoring completely, like, reaffirm my my fear that he's not a great finisher. He's not going to be a good goal scorer. He was. A terrible fit for what we had. Like he is a class, he's a class football player, and I think that he, you know, he he's a London boy. He's, I think that he has a lot of motivation to do well, you know. So I don't know. I'm I'm again I'm being flippy floppy on my opinions but it's fine i'm i'm more being okay with being wrong uh, um, it just mm-hmm. feels like he you know ever since he came in it just feels like he is a different level like our front three players haven't tried or done what raheem sterling has tried every single match like he forces the envelope. There was a couple times where he turned and just started dribbling at the defense with so much confidence. Like, I know we've seen like some of our players try here and there, but never every single match. You know, like we've seen Polisic make a run like that and then not try that for three matches. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Kai Havertz try a 1v1 once this season. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where. When our players dribble at the defense like that, I usually think, okay, there's a chance they're going to make the wrong decision before they get a chance to shoot or before they get a chance to get into the box. And I don't have that with Raheem Sterling. If anything, it gets me kind of like out of my seat. With our other attackers, I'm kind of hesitant. And I hate to say that, but it's just kind of how it's been the last few seasons. So yeah, I'm glad he got his two goals. I think it's... I think he was actually going to try to take the penalty too before VAR took it away. He was holding on to the ball. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he could have been on a hat trick today would have been on, on this match would have been fun. Um, hey, didn't he hit the post too? He had a shot that hit the yes, post. Yes, he did. He did. So he hit he the had post on four a, chances to score. I mean, I'll still take two out of four better than most of our guys. And, and one thing I wanted to point out is a man down. Went back to the back three, and it just felt like our team is finally understanding what they're supposed to do in that system. We've talked a lot before about how it's it's a lot of sideways passing, not pushing the envelope, but I think that Thomas Tuchel finally has 
right wing backs as of right now. And I think last year we missed Chilwell a lot and he hasn't found his full fitness yet, but having Reese on the right with, even with Loftus-Cheek as a backup, and then on the left, a battle between Kukureya and Chilwell, it's going to be, I think we're, we're building up to something great if we can just get one of the other strikers alongside Raheem Sterling to click. I see the, the mm-hmm. blueprint a little bit better now. It's just a matter of, can we get someone alongside Raheem Sterling to start contributing? Because if we're just going to rely on him and Jorginho penalties, it's going to be a long season. But you know, Kukureya is trying to break, put the ball forward quickly. We know what Reese James is trying to do. We've seen Loftus-Cheek drive up the pitch and then find a cross and the supporting cast around Raheem Sterling provide at least good Robin to his Batman Mm -hmm. mentioning RLC real quick let's uh, just quickly talk about that formation change the necessary formation change when we switched to 3-4-2 it looked like so um, RLC and Jorginho were the two in the midfield and I talked about this last week, thinking that, like, I think that RLC and Jorginho could work in uh, midfield pivot, and I thought it looked pretty good, like, for the most part. I know that the second half, was after, it was mostly spent trying not to concede, I think, but I think for the first, like, 15, 20 minutes, it looked, I don't know, like it just looked a little bit more natural with those two as opposed to what we saw last week with um, Jorginho and, um, and Gallagher mm-hmm. in a 3-4-3 in a three, three it was last week, I think, we played. And, um, you know, now we're in a 3-4-2, which is, I guess, as close as you can get to it <laughs> right. um, <laughs> with one person out. But... I thought Jorginho and RLC is something that I wouldn't want to see every week, but I think that's a better fitting if without, I mean, we still are going to be out with, I mean, Conte is going to be out for a little bit longer. Kovacic yeah. is, is, is back. He, he, he played a little bit, right? Yeah. He played so, uh, 20, the, the final, t- no, less than final yeah. 20, but he played at the end. Yeah. So, you know, the, yeah, he played like, yeah, 15, 15, 20. So, I don't know, yeah, just your take on what you saw yeah. and what you think about for the future. I, think, I mean, I I think RLC can definitely be the, you know, what number would that be? The fourth option if it comes to the center mids, you know, Jorginho, Conte, Kovacic, then RLC. He's obviously comfortable in it. Google played him in every single different way centrally last year but the thing i think you're trying to point out is you you saw that it worked i think it worked so well because rlc is so good in transition and because we were playing a little bit more counter-attacking it just kind of worked as such a good duo where the defense found Jorginho first and Jorginho is so good at finding the next pass that if Georgi- if the ball to Jorginho 
was past the first line of pressure from Leicester, the RLC was then open for miles of space of dribbling the way he does with power with his eyes up, up, up the field looking for that next through ball. So to me, it just felt like the match when we were trying to just go for the counter with a man down played to the the sort of strengths of the individual players and it showed so much through RLC. Obviously, when he starts driving, he gets the attention and then Reese James got open. That's how we get Reese James to get the cross into Sterling. Uh, Kukureya had one in the second half. This was now when Kovacic got in where Kovacic, Kukureya, and Havertz were connecting and then unfortunately Havertz took a bad touch where it could have been another kind of goal-scoring opportunity. But it's funny that as a possession team, struggle to break these teams down when we have 70% possession then when we absorb the pressure explode out of our own box to catch other teams on the counter we seem to have so much confidence so it's mm-hmm. it's ironic I don't know how a team like Chelsea that is you know going to have the ball more often than not against most teams and lure teams in to sort of do that but if we catch teams in transition with with the group we have and hopefully 11 players moving forward, I think that we'll see a lot of goals in those sort of situations where we drive at the other team in, in transition rather than the, the possession style ones. Yeah, I mean, like what you described is more like it's what Kovacic provides when we have Kovacic and Jorginho there. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the being able to progress the ball, you know, it, I don't know if that is necessarily Gallagher's role. Like I think he is best suited. I mean, I guess the four, four, three, four, four, two worked, but I would like to see eventually a four, three, three with a three man midfield, whether that's, um, Jorginho Kovacic and, um, Gallagher and, or, um, RLC in there somewhere, but yeah, th- I think that's just and it, it sucks. And we don't even have the we didn't even mention the EFL draw in our in our script. I think we should mention that and the Champions League draw. You know, drawing with uh, against Man City in the first round. Like I heard a lot of people that were okay with it. Like you know, like obviously like. There's people that are pissed off because they want to win another trophy. There's some people that are happy that they don't have to worry about another competition. We can focus more on, you know, the more important competitions. I just wanted to see the opportunity for Tuchel to experiment more. Like, that's what I was excited for. Like, he didn't have, you know, playing against the, you know, league, like second league or league two, whatever team. Like, we could he can fuck around and just pick like random things that we don't want to try and that against the premier league side. And I'm kind of bummed about that. I mean, who knows? Maybe we beat city, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's possible. We've beat them in cup yeah, matches a, before. It's a good matchup, honestly. And you'd think that Pep isn't gonna, I mean, it's not till November. For some reason we drew mm-hmm. down. It's not till November. Um, it's because of the World Cup, right? Is that 
I don't I, I think no I think that was the reason why. why but I guess it it's kind of weird to be drawing city so early and try to think like oh well Pep will use the the bench and the kids but City's bench is still pretty stout. I mean, it'll be a good match. Obviously, we win that match, then we do have the chance to experiment because we shouldn't be drawing a, that caliber of team every single round. Um, if we don't, we just came off of a season where we played 60 matches, so maybe a few less matches this season wouldn't be the worst thing either. I really did just want to see Chukwameka and not, you know, when, when City is the one you draw, you probably won't be seeing him in that sort of mm-hmm. uh, setting until the FA Cup rolls around. So, yeah, that, that is a bit of a bummer where, you know, those younger guys that have been kind of like trying to break in, like your Harvey Vales and, and, and Chukwameka and, and maybe even that kid we signed from Inter Cassidy could have gotten a, a shot mm-hmm. at the first team, but it is what it is. Life ain't fair. We're just going to have to beat City. By the way, did you catch the uh, Premier League 2 match that they had against City? I watched part of it. Because Chupa make a lot of play. Yeah, it was a good match. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I thought Chupa make played decent. Like, you know, it was like my first time really watching him play. So, um, but yeah, the. Anyway, um, the youth team, the youth team is fun. I hope that they keep putting those matches in the in in YouTube because, I mean, they've been the Omar Hutchinson kid who's playing. I think right Omar wing Hutchinson. in the three four three. He's uh, I like him a lot. I, I'm yeah, excited he was, to keep he was seeing nice. him. And then Harvey Vale's yeah. just kind of been kicking ass. So he, that goal doesn't count towards our bet, by the way, Andreas. I, know I hope doesn't. you know that, right? I know it doesn't. Okay, it cool. has to be with the first cool. team. Don't worry. Just I just didn't want you to pull a fast one on me. No, I know no, how no. sneaky you are. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I guess we can just wrap this up. It, it needs to be discussed, Kai Havertz, because we talk about him every week, but. I think we saw a little bit like there's one thing that we can talk about that's actually new, not repeating the same shit that we say every week. But the way he played in the last 20 minutes, the shithousery, the the running, I mean, something that you don't see a lot, but him running, making, <laughs> getting a yellow card, throwing the ball away, like... I like that. I really, it's something that we want to see more of Kai. Like if he's going to play striker, he needs to, he needs to develop that mentality. He can't be passive. He can't be, you know, like maestro type of player. Like he's got to be the hungry guy, the savage, the guy who wants to score goals. So that was refreshing to see. We did get a question about that. That one, uh, this one is again from Ron. Um, he said, should Kai at this point accept his shithouse role and go full shithouse, more especially if he's not scoring? I think I'll let you answer, but I think that they will, they will feed into each other. Like the more shithouse he gets, the more aggressive he gets, 
I think it will feed or into he'll score. him eventually. Yeah, eventually becoming more of a striker and scoring. Yes, I mean I, the way I see it is like, can you think of any prolific starter that isn't just cocky? Cocky is that what you said? Yeah, like he has a bit of yeah. an ego. Of course, you think of anybody. Yeah, who? No, 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 no. You have to have that. Like, Diego Costa was under Conte. There was a period where he wasn't scoring, the team wasn't playing well, but he was just being a nuisance. Like, or sorry, not under Conte, under under Mourinho's um, title winning. Uh, he actually did mm-hmm. the opposite under Conte. There was a, a patch of form after December where he just wasn't scoring. Because he was just being annoying and he was earning fouls and he was getting in the head of the defenders, his actions were not only getting the other team to be distracted, to get annoyed and all that, but all the attention is on him. Other players not only feed off that energy, but then they get to sneak by and, and be the ones that get the action. So, yeah, show us that fire. Like, we don't. You've been here for this is your third season now. Like, can't have little timid Kai Havertz anymore. Like, you're not the new kid who moved out of his mommy and daddy's house in Germany to come move to London. Like, (laughs) which he actually was. Yeah, that was him. (laughs) That was him. Like, you're not that kid anymore. You cemented yourself in history by scoring in the Champions League. You need to carry that with you and have a little bit of balls, just balls. You now have to live up to the hype of your 75 million price tag. This should have been the reason that you start on fire. And he doesn't take this role on. Whoever we end up signing is going to completely send his ass to the bench. It's going to get to that point. The fact that he speaks German to Thomas Tuchel during lunch, that's going to run out. That's not going to be enough to get him (laughs) on the starting lineup anymore. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk more about the. Yeah, we'll talk more about the transfer targets in a second. Um, but I mean, Armando Armando Brojo, when he comes back, if he starts putting a couple goals away, it's going to be tough for Kai Havertz to see the pitch again. Yeah, but he's he's got to do something. He and he needs to earn the spot rather than being played there just out of necessity. And I'm happy about that. Um, All right, one more question. This one is from Michael Conan um, on Twitter, at LikeMichael9. Did he he change his... Yeah, he's changed his his handle a couple times. Yeah, and before he was M. Conan, so LikeMichael. Not quite like Mike, but just a step away. Um, (laughs) He said, been on my mind this week. Is Tuchel the manager to win us a Premier League, or is he a manager that will help us dominate cups like the Champions League but not win the league? If so, are you okay with that? Uh, I'll let you answer first. Yeah, um, I think he can win us the Premier League. I think that winning the cups is sort of a prerequisite when you have to build a whole squad. Uh, I use I use Jurgen Klopp as an example with Liverpool. It took him four years to be semi-relevant. 
then in year five or year six, he won the Champions League. Then he won the Premier League year seven. So, or year six, year seven, whatever the timeline is. But the point is, in cup competitions, you can hide the weaknesses of your squad. You can, you know, we can rely on Tuchel's tactics to get us the win because you plan for just one 90-minute period Mm -hmm. and you move on to the next. But you need a core group that lives up to your tactics for 38 matches to win the Premier League. If, yep. If we've seen the brilliance of, of what Tuchel wants to do in stints, it's because we're still not fully, we're not still getting the full potential out of the personnel or we just don't have the right personnel. And I think that we're slowly getting there. I think that, you know, the joke this week was that we play so many defenders. But, Defenders are the ones getting the assists and the goals at the end of the day, so they're obviously doing something right in the system. Um, Raheem Sterling being in the front three instead of a natural winger like your Ziyech or your Cho, we've already seen the benefits of that. Once we can get a striker that can start scoring but is mobile and, and is doing the runs like Tuchel's trying to instead of a target man like Lukaku, or not a target man, but a more of a poacher like Lukaku, Maybe we'll see our attack score more. So so the way I see it is, sure, Tuchel is stubborn. And sure, sometimes we get upset because he is going to keep going with his tactics. I think that the cup competitions, that the success we see in cup competitions now is only um, sort of a prerequisite for what our title campaign will look like. Yeah, I... It's. I'm. I'm happy you gave that answer because it was pretty much the same kind of thing I was gonna say. Like in a 38 match competition, in in the you know the, for the league title, the best team almost always wins because it's a prolonged competition and the best team over 38 matches ends up winning. But in a cup competition. The best team does not always win. We won the Champions League two years ago. We were not the best team in the world. We were not the second best team. We were not the third best team. We probably weren't even a top five team in the world, to be honest. But we won because that's the nature of the competition and what you said about planning specifically for one or two sets. You know, usually they're in the Champions League, there's two legs, but, you know, like in other cup competitions, it's mostly one leg um either way it's that's what you said what you said is spot on like there's a lot like to say that Tuchel is not the manager to win us the premier league is 100 percent due to the personnel and like you said you don't know whether it's one or the other it's it's the latter we don't have the same quality of roster as Liverpool and Man City. Those are the two teams that should be fighting for the title. They did last year. They probably will this year. I mean, I know Liverpool has not the best start, but let's just talk about last year at least. They're going to be the teams that are challenging for the Premier League title because they have the better roster. They're more talented, all that. You know, like over 38 match season, they're going to be better. 
So to say that Tuchel is not the manager to win a Premier League, I don't think is fair. Like, I think if Tuchel was the manager of Man City or of Liverpool, they would be challenging for the Premier League, for sure. Like, it's not just because of Klopp or Pep. Like, I think he's up there as well, like, as far as, like, you know, talent of a manager. So, and he's won, he's, like, he's won leagues before, you know? Like, with PSG, he's won the league many times and wasn't, you know, they won the domestic cups, but never won a Champions League, you know? So, like, it's not like he's a manager more suited for cup competition rather than league competition. Like it's, it's due to the, the roster and what you said yeah, is it, true. We're, we're building it I up. I think also our last premier league title under Conte, I think people don't see the bigger picture as to how we achieved that under Conte. We were just in the premier league. There was no That's true too. league that season. There was yeah. no Europa league that season. Um, I believe he kind of choked in the, we choked in the Carabao cup earlier and then we lost the FA cup final. So, you know, why was Conte able to do that? He had a far less concentrated schedule. It was also Pep's first year with Man City. And if you think about Conte's Chelsea, we had barely any injuries. It was almost the exact same starting 11 every single week because every single week the players had a seven-day break. Google hasn't mm-hmm. had that luxury once. And when he was putting out the same lineup last fall, we were the best team in England until the Champions League rolled around and injuries rolled around and then COVID hit rolled around. So, yeah, again... We were top of the table for a while. I sung that yeah, many times. He's been... <laughs> he's been uh, yeah, you did sing it. He's been unlucky. He's also shown that his tactics can make our players look better than they are. Because at the end of the day, our team on paper last fall was not better than Liverpool, was not better than Man City. We were top of the table until November. And and comfortably yep. at that point. So I think yeah. I'm not I don't I don't doubt Thomas Tuchel has the skill set and, and the football IQ to get us there. Yep, totally agree. All right. Let's before we talk about the chancellors, this isn't in the script, but I think we should talk about the Champions League draw just really quickly. I mean, definitely a favorable draw. Like I think I mean, when you look at all eight groups, we're probably in the easiest group to make it out at least top two. Cause we got so for those of you who don't know, just as a recap. AC Milan, Salzburg, and Dinamo Zagreb. So, like, we have one top, you know, four league team in it, in AC Milan, and arguably, you know, they won they won Serie A last year, but Serie A is not, like, it's probably on the lowest of the top four teams, I mean, top four leagues, I think. And then we have a... Uh, why am I forgetting where Salzburg is in Austria, Austrian team and a Croatian team. So, you know, like it's, it's looking good for us. I'm really happy with the draw. I don't know if there's anything you want to add. Uh, yeah, I think that we can win this group. I think the AC Milan matches will be tough. Of course, 
I think Salzburg away will be a tough one, but I mean, we seem to love the Champions League. Whether it, it honestly, it doesn't matter who the manager is, we love the Champions League. So I think those will be fun matches. I hope that we can maybe secure at least the like, clinch the next round early. Because again, mm-hmm. if we do lose to Manchester City in the Carabao Cup, it'd be nice to give some of these younger guys a feel for the Champions League and a feel for those Wednesday nights that are so special. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really looking forward to the group stage. I think that uh, it'll be fun to to see Tamori and Giroud again. And, yep. and, uh, and Bakioko, don't forget about that. He's not with them anymore. I don't know where yeah, he, he is, is, but he's not with them anymore. I, I saw him on their bench us. the other day. Oh, wow. No. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, I am say, wrong, but yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, we also will get to see Rafael Leao try out for Chelsea, so that's cool. <laughs> he, he is he's at AC Milan still. Yeah, I saw, I saw him on the bench. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't being racist, but it's definitely him. <laughs> Um, all right, let's, uh, let's ignore. I just said that, um, (laughs) talk about the transfer deadline week, um, coming up in, we're recording on Sunday. So four more days, I think my mouth, one, two, three, three, three three days. It ends in three days. So by the time we post it, you guys listening to two days, um, the Fofana deal, it's been here we go confirmed should be you know he's he's in he was in london doing his medical so tomorrow monday the deal should be announced um the uh, i mean and first of all i just want to quickly say it's i'm really happy about the deal you know that in the preseason like that was the the guy that i've been wanting and saying Hanging that his drum yeah he's yeah, and saying that if Bully, it'll take a lot of balls for Bully to pay the price that he's probably going to command because of the situation that he was in, the contract he had just recently signed, Lester not wanting to sell. Like, I knew he would he would go for around this amount, and I'm okay with it. I think that it'll be worth it. He's 21 years old. He is already one of the best center backs in the Premier League, and he will only become better. And he is learning under the two possibly best players to play against. And we now, 100%, without a doubt, have the best back line in the Premier League. In the back three, with Koulibaly, oh, yeah. Thiago Silva, and Fofana, that's the best back Correa line. Correa and Reese James? <sighs> I mean, yeah, I'm not even considering them, but for sure. It's, it's without a doubt. It's better than Liverpool. It's better than City. It's it's the best, it's better than Arsenal, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say, Saliba has been so good this year, and yeah, I'm really excited. Nobody has scored on Arsenal, so we can't really talk shit right now. What do you mean? Now, what do you mean? City, Leicester scored well, twice Fulham. against them. Fulham, sorry, Fulham scored, and and I, Fulham scored. They've they've no, and Leicester scored two goals against them. Um, so. But also in the future, like it's gonna, it's like the battle between Fofana and um, 
and um, Saliba is going to be such an exciting storyline for the next couple of years. They will undoubtedly be the center back pairing for France in the near future. And they're going to be playing for Crosstown Rivals. They're the same age. It's going to be such an exciting storyline. Like It's going to be, I wouldn't say, I don't know if it'll be a rivalry, but the comparisons will always be there. They're like the same size, same age, same country. It's, I'm, I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I think that, and I tweeted it as soon as, it came, as soon as the tweet came out. I said, oh, yeah, by the way, Fofana is better than Saliba. <laughs> um, so moving up, moving on to the forward positions. Aubameyang, the, that rumor persists. I think that Chelsea are doing the right thing in not budging and paying more than even – even what what they're offering what 20 uh, 30 million i think I thought it was like 25 and i don't know i think 25 you're right and their barcelona is insisting on 30 35 i think that i think that's where i got the 35 um our, chelsea are doing the right thing they are like it would be too much to pay for a guy when like he's he's not going to be needed on that team anymore, like and his his salary is so high that Barcelona needs to move him off their books. Like that they, they will budge. I think at the end of the day, Barcelona will budge, and they'll they'll accept our price. And if not, we have other options. One of them being Anthony Gordon for seventy million. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I mean, me and Zach have already talked about how much we hate that possible signing. I don't know if you want to add anything on both the Aubameyang or Anthony Gordon rumors. Um, the Aubameyang one makes sense. The Anthony Gordon one shows that we don't have a director of football. Because my understanding is that the interest came when Tuchel's like, damn, that kid played really good against us. I could use him on the team. <laughs> That's what I read. It was like, he really impressed Tuchel. It's like, I don't know if I like Yeah, you that. need that separation. You need that separation between a manager and a director of football. Like, Yeah, this, this is the first time where like, the target is, it just feels... Feels like when Roman Abramovich was trying to force Chelsea to buy Golovin um, after yep. the twenty eighteen World Cup is just like, oh, I, I don't know. This one, this one's iffy. He scored this weekend, but it was like, which makes it worse. Yeah, it makes the whole situation okay, worse. So the price tag is going to go up. Like, damn it. No, just, it's not going to go up because the, the that price tag is already, like, in my opinion. Absolutely ridiculous. Inflated. Way too inflated. He scored four it's goals crazy. last season. He scored four goals last season in the Premier League. Did he? And all the shots were uh deflected. Actually. Every goal was a deflection. Oh my god. See, like Yeah, I'm just not happy about it. And then again, like every season, the Zaha rumors have come out. Zaha is actually having an amazing year so far. Like, I've watched I've watched, I think, three out of the four Crystal Palace matches this season just because I like them. I don't know. I, I think like they're just like an exciting team to watch. And Zaha has been 
really good. I think he has three or four goals this season. I think he has three. Um, <laughs> but I don't like. We need a striker. Zaha's not a striker. Like, so it's yeah. It's just I think he's like the backup plan. I mean, if it's like Simon Phillips, I said said something along the lines like it could be Aubameyang plus Zaha. Then we would have like a true not- front three, where it would be like. And I really believe the move would be to go four three three or four two three one because you would have Sterling, Aubameyang, Zaha. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I <laughs> I don't know what to think. Zaha fits the profile: one v one dribbler, speed, direct. Makes sense. Yeah, he has three goals so far. Um, More than anyone but, on our team. Yeah. Yeah, and. All three of his goals have been clinical finishes. They were not deflections. <laughs> I don't think any. I don't think any of them were deflections. So, I think that if we can't get a, see, but this is the one thing. Like, Andreas, there's, there we don't need, like, an elite, quote unquote, elite striker. Like, I just think we should. We need to get anybody, like. If it's Aubameyang and Zaha, that makes me feel better. But Zaha as an alternative to Aubameyang, like, we need a striker. Like, that is our number one most important position right now. I think even more important than a defensive mid. Like, I can't, like, there has to be someone. Like, I think it was Michael Conan who brought this up. And this is not exactly the player, but a name like Danny Ings. Like a, a striker, you know, like it doesn't need to be a world beater. It doesn't need to be world class, like just someone who can play there. And there's so many of them out there that like p- overpaying for someone else. Like we can there. Most players are obtainable at the right price, you know, and it's going to, and still it'll be less than what we're offering for Aubameyang. And I don't know what the Zaha rumors, how much that, that price tag is, do you know? I, I probably would be close to 30, 40. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Ziesh also is leaving, possibly, most likely to Ajax. Cho, Who just he's in 100 million for Anthony. Oh, Freaking yeah. Wild. Congratulations to Ajax. The, yeah. The, they, or, they, they, like, Man they, United uh, is. Hustled United for two hundred million dollars, two hundred million euro for two players. Yeah, for a midget center back and Anthony. <laughs> but they also got Ten Hog out, out of them. They also got Donny Van de Beek, <laughs> which I mean, for like what? Like they bought him for like forty million. Also, like 50, they've been, yeah, yeah. I think I think it was. 50, I actually 60, love actually. the deal with United. They just love it. There are. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I would be a Man United fan if I was an Ajax fan. Like they are <laughs> funding the club, so congratulations to Ajax. Um, Cho is also off to Bayern Leverkusen on loan, no buy option, which is a good thing. I think huge tub for Cho. Uh huh. And um, so maybe we do need an, some strikers I mean, wingers to come in, but I think we're good. Like I think Pulisic. Needs to play more on the wing, not in a front two. Um, 
So we'll see. I th- I don't think we need another winger striker. That's what we need to go for. Um, another update: Ampadu's off to Spezia on loan with an option to buy for about fifteen million, which I doubt. I think we we said this on another episode that Spezia's like highest transfer fee ever paid was five million. So he's probably not going to get bought for the fifteen million. So it's just I consider this just as a loan, <laughs> straight up. But um, if they do end up paying fifteen million for him, it's a win. It's definitely it business, a win yeah. for us. Um, and it's good for Ampadu to get experience. I don't think he has a spot on the on the team. I don't think he's earned it, to be honest. Like maybe out of necessity to try things out, like he would be able to play. But I'm I'm happy with it. Get more experience. He probably will not be worth $15 million next year, but who knows. Um, the Frankie de Jong uh, rumors, I think we can finish on that. Fabrizio Romano says that Chelsea will push until the end. So we're not done hearing about the rumors. We got two more days left. Um, like, It'll all I've come heard down that- to him signing that uh, pay cut or not. I think uh, it also has to do a lot more with his wife and his family. Like at the end of the day, if they don't want to move, like and it's funny because I just watched the Figo documentary. And one of the things was like, his wife was really happy that it was in Barcelona. He was raising a family there and he like that. He told he was he told Real Madrid multiple times. He can't do it because of that reason. And I'm not spoiling it, but they pretty much like brought him to like a room at like two in the morning, and like it sounded like they pressured him and pressured him to take the deal to finally do it. Like they, they, you know, I mean, it was a good deal for him, but he told his wife, "We're going." Like even though you said no, um, so it's possible that happens. You know, we it's it's we can still convince him to stay. We just need to force him into a room and pressure crazy. the shit out of him. I just that situation to me, like, okay, your family should care about how your employer treats you. You know, like, I don't. He has to take a pay cut too. I I forty percent. Forty percent. That's a huge pay, pay cut. cut. Yeah, I'm. Oh, you're saying, not, okay, you're talking about Barcelona, right, okay. I'm talking about I'm how talking about Frankie Chelsea de Jong's too. family would be like, oh, yeah, let's stay here. These people, this place is great. Your employer is not that bad. Like, Does he know. need to take a pay cut at Barcelona? Like, I think he that does. he wouldn't. He has to. He has to. For him to, to be able to stay, he has to. Yeah, it's on the table. It's, that's okay, yeah. So yeah, she's risking forty percent of her income as well. Exactly, because I mean, you know income. well, damn, that his income is what's funding her probably influencer passion crap. <laughs> hey, come on, she could have her own business, Andreas. Come on, let's let's not totally. be so rash. But um, yeah, I, I we've already we, we've talked about it already enough i don't know if there's anything we need to add as far as like fit Um, to the club stuff like uh, that well another thing that came up recently that that is a reason why chelsea is still so adamant is that um it seems like 
Conte is not going to be extending. So, or, or we're not going a, to extend him. Right. Like, I think neither party is looking to extend. So, there is a need for a, a center mid that isn't a six anyway, because Conte is going to leave. So, yeah. Makes sense. There seems to be more yeah. to it than just like jumping on the opportunity. I would be really excited if we got him. I would be really excited. Um, all right, let's finish it up. Preview Southampton. Um, last week they lost to Man United and they fell victim to um, <laughs> Man United treatment by the refs. I watched the highlights today and that triple handball by Scott McTominay <laughs> after VAR check is ruled not a penalty was really funny. Like that was like probably one of the most obvious blatant handballs that I've ever seen. And they didn't, it was they so didn't bad. confirm it. It was, it was, it was comical. And one down. Even live before they went to VAR, I was like, where's the whistle? It was, oh, I was frustrated. And I don't even care <laughs> it was about comical. Southampton. So Yeah. Right now they are sitting. Uh, right now they're sitting a thirteenth in the Premier League. Um, they did get a win two weeks ago. Uh, I forget it was, it was against Leicester. Che hmm. Adams came in um, and he scored two late goals after coming in. Started this week. Looks pretty good. I think that. Um, He's a player that we need to look out for because he's in decent form. Obviously, James Ward-Prowse. That's Reset like that piece. Other than, yeah, yeah. Um, right now, they're conceding two goals a match, but they're third in the league in winning possession in the final third, which is a Hazen Hoodle uh, signature. Style. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, but. What what are, what are your thoughts on the match? In a weird way, like if it, obviously it's a big if because Leeds pressed the shit out of us and we folded. If we learned our lesson from Leeds, I think we can win this match comfortably. I think that the short week benefits us, and I think we can win this match three nil. a lot of confidence i don't know if i feel the same way i don't know man i think it it just the the wing backs are in great form i think that chalaba showed that he can play in the back three kulabali's back aspie was really good in the back three as well um if we're gonna give tiago silva a break if we're not then we're playing a kulabali tiago silva trevo chalaba back three and that sounds great to me um could be Kovacic's return to the side. And honestly, I think we'll see a different front three that's going to be trying to prove themselves, and they're going to have tons of space to be running at the Southampton defense. So I think it could very much play into our hands. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the, the two goals allowed per term, per match is inflated by the, the four, I think it was a 4-1 loss to... Tottenham on the first week. So um otherwise they've they haven't allowed more than uh 
Well, actually, they had they, they gave up two against Southampton once. Um, wait, no, what am I saying? Sorry, two against Leeds, <laughs> and yeah. then um, one against Leicester and and United. So, um, like, I think scoring three against them, especially in like our current form, is just not something that I a hundred percent believe in. I think the clean sheet um, with hopefully our first. Fofana, uh, so I, I know nah, he he won't start. He won't start. It's too soon. Being announced on a Monday and starting on a Tuesday, I don't know, but it's I'd possible to see that. But yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think? Will like will we play in a back three? Did you say that? I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. I think it'll be. Like I said it's Kulabali will for sure play. I think Trevor Chalaba will for sure play. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of whether we rest Thiago Silva or not. Okay. And I think Loftus Cheek. I just don't know if you risk Kovacic midweek. So I'm thinking Loftus Cheek and Jorginho in the middle. Cucurella on the left, or Cucurella on the left, and Reese on the right. Raheem Sterling plus two. I don't know who the other two will be. Mm hmm. Our next match is West Ham on Sunday. So, yeah, I think you're right about the Kovacic not playing. I think one. I think two nil. That's my prediction. We win two nil. I think I agree with like as far as your lineup predictions go. I would like to see Broja get a start. Would love uh, to see I, that. I don't know if he's fit yet, but. I want to see that. Give Kai Havertz some time off. Like he needs to just, yeah. Just head on. Anyways, right. yeah. Anything? Anything? Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Let's get another three points. Yeah. Hard fought three points last week. Hopefully, we were two matches in a row, finishing with ten men. Let's try to keep it at eleven for this match. Um, as a bare minimum, they could do for us. Yeah. If you're not going to get the three points, I'll at least finish with 11 men. So that was it for today. If you're not following us right now on Twitter, you can find us at Blues on Parade. Um, I think that's, yeah, not Blues on Parade pod. It's just Blues on Parade. Um, and we will probably be recording again after the Southampton match. But until then, keep the blue flag flying high.